0: Welcome to the Practical Mystic Show, where we bring you simple tips and techniques from around the globe to help practical people deal with extraordinary experiences. And now, your favorite scientist, shaman, and sacred clown, and also the show's host, Janine Bolin. Welcome to Walking the Medicine Wheel with Shamans. I am your host, Janine Bolin, and as you know, these are five-week intensives where we bring shamans from different traditions on, and we interview them, and we ask them about the medicine wheel or walking their particular wheel, depending upon their paradigm, their tribal history, and a little bit of their own flavor, since every shaman takes what they know about their ancestry and about their tradition, and then they add just a little bit more. It's like a really good soup when it comes to healings and how medicine wheels are used and how people walk with them. And I'm lucky that in this particular five-week intensive, we have Reno long moons. And normally this is where I sit down and I rattle out chapter and verse, their history, their traditions and all. Uh, but because of the language and because I do not want to mispronounce anything, I'm going to ask Reno to introduce herself, her tribal heritage and how she brings a special flavoring to her shamanism. So thank you for joining us,
1: Reno. Thanks, Janine. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad we're doing this. This is amazing. Um, my name is Reno Longmoons. Uh, my heritage is Seneca and Cherokee, uh, which is an, a unique blend. <laughs> um, Culturally, there's just so much that both tribes offer and that all tribes offer, uh, but I've been doing the wheel work for many years now, and it's, it's a blending, a blending of both the Seneca and both the Cherokee, as well as things that I've learned in my journey. So it makes for a really great way to be a bridge walker between uh, traditional and contemporary times.
0: I totally agree. And that was one of the things uh, I would like to give a little bit of history and context about how Reno and I came together. We were both at a metaphysical fair and they managed to put our tables side by side. And we were like, number one, it's very rare to run into a fellow wheel walker anyway. So that's just weird in and of itself. But then to have both of us side by side, and as she looked at my medicine wheel and as she, I looked at her medicine wheel, we started realizing that my tradition, Because I'm Irish Catholic, of course, I've learned a lot from the Gaelic tradition uh, and One of the other things is my father was in the military, and so I was in Japan during my elementary school years, and then I was taught by voodoo priestesses in the Bahamas. During that time, I learned the 12-year cycle of the moon. And so these sorts of things I learned. And so I came to Reno with very much an Eastern uh, perspective on how you pray pray around a wheel. Well, when I met Reno, I had worked with 15 different types of uh, Native American tribes, she became number 16 because she brought a whole different perspective and paradigm. And I'm so grateful that I get to share that with you uh, today. So, Reno, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about uh, the wheel, you and I's meeting and how you came to understand your own wheel walking.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I loved our encounter, which has created such a beautiful friendship and, and, Partnership in wheel walking, and it provides such a different kind of perspective for both of us. I mean, you brought to me so much in the Eastern philosophies, and while I had studied those in my journey and they have some impact in my walk, I wasn't as versed like you are. So you brought a whole new dynamic to melding the wheel that I teach. And I love this because when we work together, you and I are able to show different perspectives and broaden the scope for education. And I love that about what we do in partnership. As far as my will goes, it has really become a communication tool, a meditation tool with source spirit, the divine creator, the great mystery. He, you know, Source has so many different names that there is no wrong name, you know? So that's that's pretty much where where I resonate, you know, is in, in the, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what you call your source, you know? I'm not here to judge that. <laughs> I'm here to help you to connect to whoever your source is. <laughs> and I think through walking the wheel, we're able to do that. It gives us a time to calm ourselves our spirit and find that that amazing connection
0: So one of the things that was so much fun when you and I came together and started to share what we knew not only with each other but with our communities because we both had our own followings and we brought our communities together at women's retreats and crow lodges and as we did that we started to see the wheel starting to take on a life of its own and so one of the things that was most fun for me was learning how everybody kind of walks into the wheel in a different way and so I would love for you to share how it's important, either from the Seneca, the Cherokee, or just Reno long moons, you know, how you enter a wheel, because that's one of the things that you can get into a lot of trouble if you don't understand someone else's paradigm and how you w- enter their particular sacred wheel.
1: Absolutely. Um, you're You're spot on. I think for myself, this is I try not to get really deep into teaching the traditional Seneca and or Cherokee or Dakota wheels, because there's a fine line there in the traditional that I don't want to offend, you know, my relatives. So what I've done is I've allowed spirit to create the wheel and and an understanding of a wheel that I'm going to call my interpretation of walking a wheel. And for me, we always, of course, are going, going to sage prior to even walking in because this is sacred space. This is space that is carved out exclusively for your time and understanding with source. So once we've cleansed and we've saged, then I always have a blended tobacco offering. So we're going to begin in the, in the north because as I understand it, The North is a place where concepts, ideas, that white light, that inspiration all comes from the North. So that's why we enter from the North on on the wheel that we've had at the retreats and such. Because it's at, at that point that we are saying we are open and receptive.
0: Thank you so much because entering the wheel is one of those fun places of uh, what can cause a lot of dissension accidentally. It's like uh, a faux pas. Uh, Things can be labeled as taboo and you not even know it. Uh, Also the direction, you know, that was one of the funny things for me coming from the Eastern wheel walking mindset was uh, the Western wheel walking and then differences within tribes even of why you walk in one direction or the other. So definitely take a cue from your facilitator, they will be glad to make sure that you don't uh, step on anybody's toes and that you do things uh, in an appropriate way. Um, So entering the wheel, usually with some sort of intention is what people think is first. And I always giggle a little bit and I go, no, a lot of times until until you're saged or until you have that cleansing, you may not even have a clear concept (laughs) on why you're there. You know, it, it doesn't come to you until after that. Do you want to discuss that for a bit?
1: Absolutely, you know, when when we walk in on our wheel and we walk in and we begin going clockwise. So, I always encourage people that I'm working with in the wheel to take time to go multiple times around because in that time spot um spirit begins to work within you and then the directions come into play and there's a tugging of different directions that might be calling toward you in your spirit and you, you may not understand exactly why at that moment until you stop and you rest in whichever cardinal direction that it may be
0: so for those of you who are new to this um there is a Medicine wheel that is my tradition or my understanding. It was gifted to me in a uh, vision quest that I went up onto a mountain and spent three days alone. And this was uh, gifted to me. And so that's the wheel I teach. We also have a wheel and a handout that Reno Longmoons has that will be made available to you in the midst of this course. Uh, and that way you will understand the different types of colors and also how the wheel looks different uh, tri- from one tribe to another, from one shaman to another and that there's nothing wrong with it, we encourage you to take the best parts of each and all, as well as adding your own flavorings, and that will guide you true. So when people first get into the wheel or they come into that sacred understanding, one of the things I've always found interesting is some people knew immediately what they were there to do, and you could tell it. They were like a bullet. They were on fire. They were like, get me, Sage. I got to get in that wheel. Don't get in my way. And yet everybody kind of backs up and lets them do what they need to do. So, if you would talk a little bit about entering the wheel, sometimes people know exactly why they 're there, sometimes they don 't how How is it that you receive what you need to do before you enter the wheel?
1: Um, I, I call myself first and, and, I, and I, you know we will say a prayer and ask for you know all ne- negativity is removed through the cleansing. Um, we make an offering of the blessing with the tobacco to the wheel to creator for the provision of all things. And we just relax in that moment, finding out exactly what it is. And sometimes we don't know, like you said, some will know exactly where they need to be and some won't, but it's on that first step inward. When you take that first step into my will with entering on the North that you go, okay, I'm open, I'm receiving, and you're asking the source to bring that to you. And from there, you go straight to the heart of the wheel, the very center of the circle. Um, and that's where we make our offering. We say, here, here's the tobacco, and here's you know, kind of where I think I am. And then the meditation begins in the walk.
0: And I think that's fascinating because I have experienced times where walking into the center of a circle is forbidden. It's taboo. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's so important to have a shaman who's facilitating the wheel, mainly because there are so many different paradigms on our planet that are starting to mingle and merge. And, And when we keep our hearts and our minds open that people really as a whole, they want to do what's appropriate for your wheel. They really do want to quote, quote, behave. And when you, stay open to the fact that there's somebody there to help facilitate you through that particular wheel you'll have a marvelous experience with that I have uh, watched you personally walk people through a wheel who were very uh, diverse in their understandings and yet at the same time very humble and wanting to do things right according to the wheel that you were building or walking so if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit about you enter through the north gate and then you move to the center of the wheel that's where you're setting your intention so what do you what do you do after that do you move back through the north
1: gate is that where you head um i get between the center and the north gate and i start my walk in a clockwise to the east and then i'm going to go to the south and then to the west and then back to the north and i may walk this four or five times or even more until i feel that I'm drawn to a specific that where my message and where my meditation and connection is coming in could very well be in the East, which is going to help me understand whatever new beginning, new project I have coming up. And I get the communications through spirit that helps me understand that. And that's a lot of what we do with the, with using the medicine wheel as a, as a, Meditation tool and a place of connection with source is to be able to have that dialogue between you and spirit, your inner voice with spirit's voice and knowing and understanding what really rings true to you, because I can't tell you that this is ABC and D and you're going to reach F because I said so (laughs) I want you to have that connection and relationship with source. And then you'll know what is right for you and what is not, because it's not my place. I don't make that judgment.
0: And, and that was one of the things that you and I definitely connected on, because that was my training with the Buddhist monks that I was a part of in Japan, which was they, they would never convert somebody to their faith uh, like some other religions do. They work at converting people to their faith because that's their spiritual dispensation. But for a Buddhist, uh, that is not their spiritual dispensation, because it's seen as trying to pull a person's power away from them from that perspective. And that you, I've noticed that you, Rena Longmoons, and many of the folks that I work with, it's constantly trying to share with people where they have allowed their power to leave them. And so the shamans that I've worked with, like yourself, have always been, well, I don't know. What do you think you should do next? I hear that a (laughs) lot from you. Well, I don't know. What do you think? And the answer is you actually do know. But Mm -hmm. you don't want to take the power away from the person. So if you would talk a little bit about when somebody new comes to you, somebody that you're working with fresh um, and they want to walk the wheel, what are some things that you're looking out for so that you can better serve them as the servant leader that you are?
1: That's an amazing question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) There's a genuineness that we all bring, whether it's genuinely chaotic at that moment or genuinely just stymied and unsure. I think in conversation and in that cleansing moment and that time of just quiet helps us, you know, I can converse with someone one on one and get a greater understanding and spirit will come in and bring in messages as well oftentimes with a brand new client we'll sit down and I will do cards with them to get a, a greater feel for where they are at spirit has been awesome about giving me symbol readings an interactive tool as well as the oracle cards that I use um, as far you know to work with someone one on one prior to even getting on a wheel because for some the wheel may not be what they want to do, you know, but I think the wheel offers so many different levels and journeys and can be a lifelong tool. And that's why I'm so passionate about us teaching the wheel and helping other people to integrate the wheel. Um, You don't have to have a wheel on the ground. You can use a lot of creative visualization, which for some of my clients has worked beautifully to do. And you can use a tabletop wheel as well. And just in your mind's eye, walk those stones that mark the cardinal directions. There's a lot that we can talk about with different ways to work a wheel.
0: Right. And I I do want to share one concept that was gifted to me by a shaman from uh, New York, and he he never would share with me his exact tribal affiliation, and that's fine. But I was standing uh, in the middle of a football, I'm sorry, a baseball diamond and he's like this is a wheel and i said oh my gosh because he was absolutely right what we were standing in was it was for uh high schoolers and they had four baseball diamonds and so they were using the native americans in the region were using those late at night when the lights were off nobody was around and they were using those as quadrants and they had built a medicine wheel of their own and they had set it up and it was it was fabulous i saw you know the uh Uh, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant wasp view of, uh, you know, (laughs) baseball. And then the native Americans going, Oh, what do you know? Four quadrants. Here you go. This is a wheel. And they were walking through that. So when I had asked him, I was visiting, I was like, I need a wheel. I need a wheel. I have to do this ceremony. And we show up at this baseball field. I'm like, wow, okay, it's perfect. And it was so wheels are all around you. <laughs> I just wanted I'm to sure. share that. And if it, you were talking about visual, visualization, but sometimes they're literally staring you in the face. Where Mother <laughs> Earth has actually encouraged traditions that don't even aren't even aware of your tradition into making these beautiful wheels. I, I thought you would probably want to comment on that.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that and you're absolutely right i mean i am so drawn to circles in general and circles being continuous and eternal and when i look around me and i see all of these these wheels that are in place i just i'm honored i'm like look there's another one there's another one (laughs) and i get i get giddy and i get excited because in my heart and in my spirit when i see these For some that might be subliminal wheels, it's Mother Nature's way of saying, I'm still here, I'm supporting, I'm sending energy, I'm providing healing or guidance or whatever it is, you know, that they're all connected. That's the amazing part about this is that when we've installed wheels on people's property or we have consecrated them to be connected to a grid of wheels, there's energy that is amazing and all of that, that brings healing and understanding and guidance and just so many different levels to a wheel. And just sometimes it's just the quiet that we seek.
0: And that's my favorite aspect of the wheels that are in sacred locations that it takes an invitation or a shaman who knows the place to take you there. You need a guide because those wheels definitely are those intimate uh, places of solace, healing, or rejuvenation if you've been through a particularly rough patch. So, So wheels have so many uses and opportunities with them, and that's why I wanted to chat with you a little bit about We talk about the connecting of wheels and we'll do this in the fifth week where we'll talk about how wheels can be connected and how Reno herself, this is part of her work is to disseminate the wheel walking and to be able to build wheels on property that either you own or that you have an invitation to build a wheel on and then consecrate it with the rest of the wheels that uh, she and I have been connecting for the last 20 years and didn't know we were doing the work together, uh, but we were both guided in different ways. So getting back to the introduction and the North gate. So say somebody uh, is with you and they enter the wheel through the North gate. They do their offering. They stand there and they think, okay, maybe I need to walk. And they walk for a bit and they are drawn to the North gate and they look at you as the facilitating shaman and go, what does this mean? I don't know why I'm here. How do you lead them to their personal truth at that point?
1: I will begin with a couple of questions, and usually spirit just chimes in and, and says, okay, we're going to help this person figure out exactly what's going on. And if they're in the North Gate, typically that's where those, those new conceptual ideas, you know, we're held back sometimes by our own fear or lack of worthiness or whatever it may be that, that the domestication that we've taken on, or has been given to us. And we are learning that it's now time to make changes. Some of them are belief changes. Some of them are rejections and, and releasing the things that no longer serve us. So when we're in the North gate, I go, okay, what new ideas are you really drawn to? And what do you feel that's holding you back? You know, and, and actually dialoguing to that point of, resting and knowing that we have this new concept and we're dealing with this idea, whether it's a business venture or whether it's a relationship or whatever, it's something that we haven't really spoken out and due to whatever reason. But if you're drawn in that North gate, that's where this is going to solidify those conceptual ideas and strengthen you up through spirits, urging and compelling to say, you got this. You can move on with this. This is something that is, I've inspired you and in compelling you to step out because I need your voice. <laughs> so a lot of healing
0: happens at the north gate i i've heard that uh, it doesn't matter what the color is it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is uh it seems to be the gate of seeking so i'm going to bring in some of that greek because you know how much i love to talk about the ancient greeks but you hear the the story of the hero joseph campbell was very big on this they would always send him north they would always say if you go find your father that was frequently a message for the hero go find your father and the dad was almost always in the dangerous place which was north and a lot of a lot of the old tribal traditions well i'm always fascinated no matter where in the world i go heading north seems to be where folks find it appropriate that is if you're in the northern hemisphere if you're in the southern hemisphere with the wheels that i've worked with down there (laughs) head south so you know once again it depends on where on this big beautiful marble this blue marble we live in you go with which one it is so the north gate in broad strokes. And I realize there are always exceptions, but I would love to hear from you what the North gate kind of symbolizes when you see somebody standing there.
1: I see it as a seeking position. Someone who is standing at the North gate is not just only seeking, but is ready to accept Whatever that challenge is, and sometimes they don't really realize how much they're ready to accept it because they're looking for something to be different. They're tired of status quo. They're looking for inspiration.
0: That's a great way of putting it because a lot of times the answer is really literally right in front of my own personal nose. And I've got the, I've got the big blinders on my face and I, I've been seeking, uh, this is something that's very personal for me. It's like, I've been seeking so long that when I do have the answer or the answer has built itself around me in my, in my consciousness or in my life, it takes another shaman to go, well, look here, silly. And they point at something. And I'm like, Oh, Oh my gosh! And of course, you feel like the biggest fool at that point, which you know I am. But I just, you know, <laughs> I love that about the North Gate because I know you, you're um, very empowering as a shaman in the sense that you know the person has the answer. And I also know you're very crafty in a loving way of being able to ask just the right questions so that that person. Realizes their own personal truth. And that's the beauty of a shaman who is always transferring the power back to the individual. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, so as we move about the wheel, I'd like to go big picture for a moment. So there have been times where there's whole tribes that will walk the wheel together. We've been speaking, I've been focused mainly on the individual, but then there Mm -hmm. are times where definitely in the Buddhist and the Hindu traditions that I've been exposed to, where you have whole groupings of people walking the wheel for a purpose. Would you like to speak a little bit to to that?
1: Absolutely. And we have group walked the wheel for To send out the energy in the four directions of the wheel, the north, the south, the east, and the west. We have actually walked the wheel with the purpose of having fire control in some cases, you know, sending that energy to stop the forests from burning or to heal waters that have been overpolluted, just even for within our own communities, to send that energy further out that ripple effect, you know, and, and a lot of times you'll see us as a group walking the wheel with a rat with rattles and with, um, Oh my gosh, drums and all different kinds of rattles, you know, turtle rattles, nut rattles, uh, you know, just all different things. And sometimes it's just the clapping of the hand because we're changing the frequency by doing this as a group. And then as a collective, Because we're all of one like mind with one purpose, trying to reach one result and solution and to make things better.
0: And that's one of the things about the modern day shaman that I really have a lot of respect. uh, Folks like yourself, Reno, who come from very uh, strong traditions but yet you're having to encompass a whole new level of understanding, such as electricity and energy and and embracing what has always been around us. I mean, mainly it was uh, <laughs> lightning strikes and thunderstorms come to mind, you know, very familiar with these natural phenomena. But now as a whole society, there is strength in that tradition. And yet at the same time, you're talking about changing of frequency, which is more sound, you know, sound waves and stuff <laughs> like that. And uh, and what used to be uh, one of the things you and I've talked about is how rattles used to be seen as not appropriate or even uh, some tribes, evil medicines. And now women are being allowed to bring rattles into sacred spaces.
1: I'd love for you to ch- share a little bit more about that. Having a rattle in the sacred space is actually, you know, while well, they were once thought as a very negative, negative tool, We use them now to chase away anything that is negative. Um, I use them in my house blessings when I do the house clearings and blessings. Um, I use them on the wheel. They're just an amazing tool. And I think as we have transformed over the centuries, you know, over decades and decades of time, that... That energy itself has morphed, and the rattle has become such a powerful tool to change change what's happening, that stagnation. It, it drives stagnation away, and it, and it does it just by being so jittery. I love that. I do too. Uh, The folks who taught me the most
0: about the power of rattles are the gypsies or the Romas. I was lucky Mm -hmm. enough to be able to be a part of some of their caravans. And it was fun because they would hand you a tambourine and everybody associates the tambourine with let's have fun, let's lighten it. And it was like lighten up, right? It was all about lightening up. And so if if I see that a wheel is getting a little too serious or stuck in the mud is what I like, like the caravan is stuck in the mud break out one of those tambourines and start rattling them. And and the tambourines that actually can be used as a drum too. That's a lot of fun when you can break those out. So that's some fun stuff, but back to a big, picture and more tribal work <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that's delightful is if you have a situation in your community that you want the highest and best good brought for every member of that community and a change to present itself how are some of the ways you have used uh the wheel to bring about that transformation
1: in my personal will here at my home I have the heart of my wheel is a fire pit. And I use that. I'll walk the wheel. I'll come in. I'll make my offerings. I have saged. I'm ready. I have intentions set. And I will use the heart of that wheel as my place to say, here's what's going on. Here's what I feel in my spirit that needs to be removed from this situation. And I will do burn offerings and ask that spirit carry that that negativity or that the thing that's holding us back from reaching that highest and best good. So that's a lot that's the one way that I personally use my will is with that fire but I love fire. <laughs>
0: yes the the fire is well okay back to the Greeks one of my favorite gods (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite gods is Hestia because she was the one that actually stepped down out of Olympus and she is the one that takes care of the home and the hearth so if there's a fire around and and I have seen this happen where a little 12 year old girl in a brown dress happens to show up that is Hestia Mm -hmm. and she is there to tend the hearth. And she's the one that makes sure that it stays safe, even if everybody is out protecting protecting other regions. And so I have found in certain tribal traditions here in North America that they have those sorts of stories of young girls being protectors of the hearth. Uh, Are you able to elaborate on any of that?
1: You know, I think it just continues to go back to the medicine bundle that women are carrying. And because of that innate protection of the heart, which supplies the food, which cooks the food, which brings the warmth that, I mean, there's just a myriad of ways of looking at that, that is so ingrained into our medicine bundle. And that's why Hestia was able to bring this down to us as well. And I mean, you see that common thread through, so many different ideologies and paradigms that it's, it's, it's something that's just continues to fan that flame inside us women. I mean, I'm not saying men aren't opposed to their fire acts, but for women, it really is a nurtured spot.
0: And I've always found great comfort that no matter what, woman of what spirituality I was speaking to, I could bring in that energetic influence of the nurturer of the fire or the keeper of the, the feminine keeper of the fire to keep the hearth burning. And almost everybody has a story of some kind. And you immediately went to your medicine bundle. You know, each one goes like, boom, they immediately know They know the story and it may look different It may have different trappings, but it's fascinating to me that we do have these, as they call them, archetypes. No matter where in the world you go, you will find an archetype and you will find comfort there. You will see where you are being uplifted there. So with the medicine wheel, we're about ready to wrap up this particular interview with Reno Longmoons. I would like you to share with us your personal story uh the parts that are public that are allowed to be shared uh your your personal story of how you came to the wheel and then how it's morphed over time and take as long as you need
1: to say it (laughs) (laughs) thank you um i had done a lot of energy work shoot as a kid it was natural but it was also suppressed by the people around me because they were like you have an over-imagination, you know, you're overactive in your imagination, or this can't be real, and how did you know that, and why do perfect strangers come up and tell you their life story, and you seem to know what to do with that? You know, at, at 7, 8, nine, 12, 15, all my life, I've known this, and I thought this was just normal, <laughs> you know? thought everybody had that gift. <laughs> exactly, and... I got involved with a group in the Midwest who were representatives for the World Peace Institute, and they were teaching, doing some amazing teaching on the ascended masters of the universe, as well as crystal grid work and healings. And i mean, everything that I, I, that I was drawn to. And I found, excuse me, I found that, While I was drawn to these things, these were tools for future on in the journey, you know, because the calling that I had kept pulling me back to my native heritage and kept calling me back to primarily the wheel. And the wheel became a really big impact to me on Vision Quest. When I was in uh, Southern Arizona, (laughs) excuse me, smoke in the air, um, I'd gone on vision quest and we had walked a wheel there and that wheel just absolutely illuminated in every direction. And I felt that cord of connected to that wheel. And I was like, thank you source. I great creator has blessed me with the understanding of the wheel and to be drawn and to teach it. Cause you know, when you're given that gift, it's not just your gift. It's your gift to give as well. And there's a responsibility to it. And I love having that privilege.
0: And so people come to you from all over asking you to build wheels, uh, consecrate wheels, refurbish lost wheels, as well as uh, build on existing ones. And so as A young person you really didn't know that's where you were headed did you I mean did you have a vision on this or
1: yeah how did you fall into this work I didn't really until my vision quest which was oh my gosh probably about 10 years ago 10 or 15 years ago um like I said I had been aware of so many other wonderful giftings that I believe that spirit brought into me to learn and to be able to utilize um, past experiences just in life alone have shown, I've often said to my clients, I have done probably easily eight lifetimes in this one lifetime. As far as experiences go, I've been a truck driver. I've been, you know, I've done all sorts of oddball things you know and and I've had good relationships and I've had not so good relationships and I' <laughs> learning like, relationships <laughs> absolutely and I feel like all of those experiences along with all of the other teachings and the Eastern teachings that have come into my been adopted into my spirit and that melding of all that beautiful energy was being primed for a time such as this. When we are very chaotic and confused and everything is nanosecond type of gratification and we have forgotten the quieting. And I believe that that's why spirit has taught me the way of the wheel and what I and I said this earlier, I'm a bridge walker. I'm walking between the tradition and, and where we are now and finding a way to make those energies work and heal. And I believe that's what spirit has compelled me to teach on.
0: And I agree. And it was about 10 or 15 years ago that I too was called to do wheel walking in a very different way. And so it's interesting to me as I run into people and they start saying things like, oh, around 2007 to about 2011, a lot of us were called into action and we were like, wow. And I just thought I was supposed to do X, Y, Z. And then all of a sudden we're into this whole a whole nother realm well as we wrap up with you uh next week we're going to be focused on moving from the north gate to the east gate and i'd like you if you don't mind to share a little bit about what that movement means for not specifically but overall a general reading of when someone's moving from the north gate and they feel themselves moving to the east gate what that trip is about
1: a lot of times and what i find kind of as the common thread in that is that in the Northgate we've we've already adopted this concept. We've been chewing on it mentally. We've we've dissected it in six different ways and we've charted it out, maybe not on pen or paper as of yet, and maybe a little bit of that. And as we move into the east, that's where we start going I'm bringing this forth. It's time to manifest this. This is that new beginning that I am going to be empowered to make this happen. I'm not going to stand back in that. Am I worthy enough questioning or is this going to be successful questioning? Because now we know that it's time to really get a move on and we're ready for that new beginning and that transformation because it is transforming. You're taking yourself out of your your usual spot of what you thought and broadening your whole scope of perception. And that's, you know, in the East, just like when the sun rises, we get that whole brand new day to do something new.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time today. I know we had to get you outside so that you could do the teachings appropriately. Uh, For those (laughs) of you who may not know, winter teachings are very important in the tribal community, and it's an honor and such a privilege that I've been allowed to bring you into the digital realm so that we can do the winter teachings online. So blessings to you, and thank you for your time today. This has been The Practical Mystic Show with Janine Boland. For show notes, resources, and more, visit the8gates.com.
1: Thanks for listening.